Good morning. Welcome to the Queen Anne County Planning Commission meeting, Thursday, September 10th, 2020. I'd like to call the meeting to order and ask that we all stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Are there any public comments? Uh, no public comments at the moment. No public comments. Um, thank you, sir. Um, you don't look like Bruce, so may I get your name, please? That's good for Bruce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My name is George Harvey. I'm the television station manager. Thank you, Mr. Harvey. Sure. Just in case we have to call upon you. Don't say, hey, you. Hey, that good. guy. Sounds good. Thank you. Um, we'll now entertain a motion for meeting minutes, uh, review and approval. I'd like to make a motion to accept okay. the minutes. I have a motion by Ms. Dobson and a second by Mr. Eversberger. Is there any discussion? Hearing none, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Hearing none. So moved, motion approved. Unanimously, Sharon. Um, before we move into extension requests, there was some outstanding business from the last Planning Commission meeting regarding a vote of confidence uh, pertaining to the uh, Public Information Act that was sent to Ms. Obrit. So uh, at this point in time, uh, unless there's any discussion, I will open the meeting up for uh, for discussion and or nomination acceptance nomination or acceptance well, of what yeah, well, uh, so <coughs> let me rephrase that so at this point in time we'll be calling uh, is there any discussion prior to a vote do the do the newest members, if I may ask? Please. Do the newest members, I would, you know, part of this um, uh, exercise was to give the two new members some time to educate themselves on the history and have Mr. Jackson so we have a full uh, complement of commissioners here. So I, I would, if it's all right with the chairman, uh, to defer to them for any, any questions they may have outstanding or. Certainly. Uh, are there any questions? No, I, I had ample opportunity to review all of the materials that everybody else had had an opportunity. No questions. Okay. <clears throat> Is there any other discussion? Hearing none. All in favor, say aye. What's, aye. The, what's the motion? What, what, oh. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the, I'm sorry. The uh, the motion would be to. Um, do we need a second on that, Mr. Drummond? Second even, on what? I don't know where what you're trying to so do. This is for a, a vote of confidence from the commission. Does it require a motion and a second? Okay. I, I would think somebody needs to make a motion. Okay. So at this time, I will um, ex I will extend the offer for a motion uh, to have 
myself remain as chairman? Or not. Or not. I'd like to make a motion that you stay as chairman and the planning commission get on with its business of planning. Second. Have a motion and a second. Any discussion? I would like to remind the panel and, and the public uh, that we are at this injunction uh, because of some uh, conversations that were had offline uh, with the sitting chairman, Mr. Reese, and the dissolution of a contract from a prior um, uh, contractor for the county. Um, there were disparaging remarks made to that contractor. Uh, in my opinion, there were disparaging remarks made to our former planning director at the at the onset of that previous, on the onset of that meeting in the public forum, um, we heard from Mr. Moran, Commissioner Moran, uh, last meeting that the commissioners or perhaps the county administrator uh, were quick to judge. Uh, I, I, I find that a little troubling. Uh, that's a serious letter to be sent in public uh, or even in private um, that the county administrator asking for Mrs. Reese's res Mr. Reese's resignation from this panel. Um, and it was later sort of backed or walked back uh, by the commission uh, that they instead would leave that decision up to this board as to whether or not uh, we would like to have him remain as chair, uh, that they were not willing at the time uh, nor since apparently to ask or continue to uh, uh, ask Mr. Reese to resign, assuming he will not, seeing as that. Um, I, I think that at the very least, uh, Mr. Reese should recognize the gravity of the situation that he has put himself in as well as the county in that we have delayed by probably a year, if not more, uh, the Planning Commission's uh, work around the comprehensive plan update uh, at the cost of not only calendar time uh, but significant finances uh, and treasure to the county, uh, at the least of which, not the least of which, is the uh, uncomfortable situation that this board is now in to work with a secondary uh, contractor um, that is was was not the first choice. The first choice was a woman-owned planning company, um, and we are here today to to hopefully uh, exercise caution and humility and ask uh, for Mr. Reese to acknowledge that actions have consequences. And as such, uh, I'll take the commissioner's lead on this and faith and trust in the system. But at the very least, I think Mr. Reese should step aside. Uh, he has said on his own accord in previous meetings that um, there should perhaps be term limits I, I think that this situation is just ripe for him to step aside because there's now a shadow of doubt cast on moving forward with this process. Um, case in point, uh, we heard from opening remarks from uh, Montgomery Wallace at uh, the last meeting outlining their process moving forward with the comprehensive plan update. And on the last slide, they showed a picture taken from Talbot County of a Talbot County waterfront included in their slides. And I brought that up to their attention at the end of the meeting, and there was very little feedback from this commission. And I found it a bit disconcerting because in the previous presentation by Smith & Associates, I think it was one of the first slides, was a picture taken from Queen Anne's County looking west to the, across the beautiful sunset of the Bay Bridge, and folks jumped all over that. 
Uh, so I think there's a double standard here. I'm not sure why. Uh, perhaps uh, there are underlying conversations. Uh, nonetheless, I think the testimony that Ms. Smith provided in her letter and Mr. S uh, Reese in his response uh, clearly uh, illuminate that there were two recollections of, of what occurred and two sides to every story. As a parent of two young kids, I'm fully aware of that. Um, and I think if Mr. Reese's uh, heart and head were where he says it is, which is in support of the county uh, and as a public servant, uh, I think he should um, professionally recognize that this is an impasse, uh, that he should take a high road and do his civic duty and remain on this board and remain a proactive, productive member of this commission and of Queen Anne's County uh, public service. Uh, however, I think that uh, regardless of which side of the story one holds to be the most truthful, uh, we are at a situation, I think, professionally uh, that should be recognized that it's time to, to move aside and, as Ms. Uh, Dobson clearly stated, let the Planning Commission get on with its business. Thank you. So um, I will say that had I felt that I had truly done something wrong, I would have resigned or I would have stepped down from my current uh, position as chairman. Um, there was an agreement that was signed between the county that I was not a part of with the previous agency that clearly noted that it was a mutual agreement for them to separate. Um, I still feel to this day I have not done anything wrong. Uh, the information was part of a uh, public disclosure. Um, that was sent to all the planning commission members and then to the new planning commissioners for review. Um, so at this point in time, um, we do have a new planning commission or a new uh, company, Wallace Montgomery, doing the comprehensive plan. It has set us back a little bit time-wise. I don't disagree with that. The financial impacts uh, for the change were, in my opinion, moderate uh, to low. I don't know if you've reviewed those numbers, but the impacts were, were pretty significantly low, in my opinion. Um, for that, yes, I do apologize for it. But I didn't do anything wrong. Had I done something wrong, I would own that and I would step up to it and I would absolutely do that. But I did not do anything wrong. So at this point in time, um, is there any further discussion? Hearing none. All in favor of myself remaining chairman, say aye. 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 Any opposed? Opposed. So, Sharon, did you get that vote? Mr. Lee was opposed. The rest of the Planning Commission was in favor of. You have to bring Sharon into the room, right? Yeah. Mr. Harvey, can you bring Sharon into the room? Uh, she actually can bring herself in, but sorry about that. Sharon, you're on? Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Moving forward, extension request. Major subdivision. Subdivision 05-14-05-0006. Perry's Retreat, Walter Properties, LLC. <clears throat> I'd ask that um, the individuals coming up to uh, 
present and testify on their project. Once you're completed, you please take the Clorox, Clorox wipes and disinfect the areas ahead of you for the next group. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Michael Foster, attorney for the applicant. And we have with us uh, the property that's the subject of this that has received a conditional final approval uh, is owned by Walt Thompson. Uh, it is being developed by Twin Oaks Realty LLC. Mr. Fred Sheckles is to my right. And then we've got Kevin Sharon of DMS, uh, who has made the request for 12 months. Um, the reason for the request is same reason we're all wearing these masks. Um, come, we had hoped to be under construction come April, but quite candidly, uh, you could not even contractors that were out of state, like in Pennsylvania, couldn't even come to Maryland to bid a job because they were going to be quarantined if they went out of state when they went back into the state of Pennsylvania. Every, from our planning staff working from home to trying to get survey groups in there, um, not to even mention the impact upon lending, which this project had a commitment from a lender who basically once COVID came around were like a lot of lenders that said hold it we don't know whether we want to do any more lending um, that has turned around with uh, property sales as you all probably are aware have peaked out last month so now lenders are eagerly saying come back we would like to lend you uh, acquisition and development funding. But we had roughly over a six-month period in there where virtually nothing happened. Uh, significantly, we had entered into a, a public works agreement where the developer has given the sanitary district, paid the sanitary district, non-refundable funds in excess of $200,000. Uh, they were called upon to make the next payment, which would be for phase one, um, which would come up in actually in about a week. And that would be another 240000 something like that, dollars for phase one. Uh, what essentially has happened, because we couldn't get construction started in April, we are now at a point, and this is all wood it lands, um, it is no way you're going to be able to start the project now. Everything's going to be put off probably until spring also. And it's just nothing that can be done about that. Um, everything else is in place. Uh, we have made a request to the county commissioners bringing up the points that we have already told you and requested an extension of the public works agreement. I received a call from Alan Quimby yesterday that the county commissioners had granted that extension. Uh, he has sent me a draft of a amendment to the public works agreement. Uh, candidly, that is for a six-month extension. 
We are asking you for a 12-month extension. The difference in that being, I'll let Mr. Sharon said just how the mechanics work out for the county will have to pay that additional $240,000 in six months in that extension, but there are mechanics between the payment of that and really being out there to um, uh, move dirt. There's a little bit of time difference, and I'll let Mr. Sharon address that. Sure, thank you. Uh, so as Mr. Foster pointed out, really the timing that we're targeting as we were this year is to begin construction in early spring. Um, it's a wooded site, it's a wet site, um, and just the, the ability to get on site install utilities and whatnot um, puts us in March, late March, April, May of 2021. Uh, the six-month extension for the public works agreement, once, once that is established, the funds are paid, then the, um, the letters of credit and the other legal documents and, and the kind of the crossing of the T's and dotting of the I's will occur uh, we will then circulate all the plats and plans for uh, final signature and apply for the grading permit. Um, so 12 months is probably on the outstretch. We could probably uh, do nine months because uh, that would fall in our construction start period. Um, but we just were suggesting 12 so that if any delays occurred, we would not have to come back before you. Thank you, Mr. Sharon. Are there any questions of the commission to the panel? I have one, actually two. One for Mr. Foster. Can you, and or Mr. Uh, Sharon, uh, help me understand why it is that you feel this site will be too wet in the winter when it tends to be drier months than in the spring? It's harder and firmer and frozen ground. I'm just, I'm having, I don't understand why you, you say that yeah. when that tends to be the drier, you know, three to four months of the year. It can be the drier, but um, typically, obviously, the days are shorter. You get the freeze and the thaw. Um, it just becomes a, a soupier site. When you get into the spring, things start to dry out. Groundwater, granted, is higher, but things start to dry out. The days get longer, and just from a constructability standpoint, it's easier to, uh, to construct during the, the you know, going into the summer months rather than going into the winter months. Okay. Mr. Lee, also having been involved with the development very close to this, the soils in here are a white oak clay type soil. If it's dry, you can make great progress. But if it gets wet, it is like soup in there and um, you end up having to bring in rubble fill and things like that in order to go on. It, it just ends up being an absolute nightmare. Um, so that's... That's the reason for it. I, I guess I'm just having a trouble with the, this is now the eighth extension. That's four and a half years. Um, and sure, COVID changed the world. Uh, and we've all moved on. Uh, but what got us here to this four month, there were so many extensions, some for a year, some for six months. And there's just, we have had these conversations in the past where applicants for various reasons sometimes numerous reasons in a, in a daisy chain uh, for extensions and it, it, it we, we struggle certainly I do I don't want to speak for everyone but that you know we, we are sympathetic certainly to the investments that are made and the and the plans that are put in place 
Um, but this this is pushing the envelope of of comfort for holding out and 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 keep punting. If you follow my well, it, 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 Mr. Lee, I I don't think first thing this project went through some major redesigns, actually ending up with fewer lots and then redesigning, recapturing a few more lots. We've gone from designing, fully paying for and designing um, a gravity system for the sewer, having some technical hurdles on that. And these are roughly, it takes about four to six months to do that. Then going back and saying, okay, well, now we're back to redesigning for a vacuum system, uh, which has been done. And we now find out, and these are things that the Planning Commission is not always aware of, but when you redesign to the vacuum system, Mr. Quimby has indicated that you're going to need additional vacuum pumps, which the developer is willing to go on and invest in. The problem is that the building's not large enough to accommodate the pumps. So we've got to go out, and the building on Perry's Corner sits on land that is owned not by the sanitary district, but by parks and recreation. So the next step that we are going through, we're going to actually be looking to see dealing with parks and recreation to exchange lands or whatever. But that land may have been purchased with Project Open Space Fund. So we've got to go through that hurdle also. So it's not like someone is sitting on their laurels. And and the last six months, quite candidly, was just a curveball that we have never seen before as long as I've been practicing law. The COVID experience is just uh, something in and by itself. But the commitment here from this developer, the builder is lined up, significant funds have been invested. It's not like we're coming before you asking for simply an extension that may keep on going forever. The funds invested here are, are, are very significant. The developer has well over half a million dollars invested in this project, and it will go forward. And the agreement with the county shows that because we're going to have to come up with that $240,000 in six months. That will be done, and you will not see us come back for any more extensions after that, I can assure you. All due respect, Mr. Frost, we've, we've heard that now eight times um, for various reasons. And wouldn't you characterize some of those uh, delays that you just outlined as self-induced, meaning you've asked for rot, lot reconfigurations and moving things around? And that's, to my knowledge, not something the county dictates. Uh, that's something that the applicant has brought forth and asked of the county. So I'm there's, Mr. Lee, there's no doubt that certainly... Um, one of the things a developer has to design something that technically one can do, and when you look at it on paper before you go through the whole uh, uh, design process, you really don't know whether gravity system or or vacuum system, which one is going to work. So those things are probably not our fault. They're not the county's fault. They're just something as it went through the process, you discovered that there was a problem. There were other delays at the beginning of this project um, that were really caused by 
uh, the recession, market conditions, what type of product would be suitable for that development. Yes, those they would have to accept and accept responsibility for. But from the county's perspective, whether you say, no, we're not going to give an extension and we come back next month in the fall for a new application, we're at the same place. We're, we're getting close to the goal line. And I understand that there has been a lot of water over the dam, but we are there. The design is virtually finished. We're ready to go. And I think that this is a modest extension, particularly in light of the circumstances uh, with COVID. I think that it's a modest request, and I would hope that the Planning Commission would grant that. No further questions. Thank you. Mr. Chair, can I ask a yes, procedural question? Please. Historically, or or is it within the, the laws here that you can grant extensions conditionally, meaning this is the last one or no further extensions? Or Yes. Okay. We, we, can, we can put those conditions on <clears throat> as part of the condition. Okay. Um, we can shorten it. We can lengthen it. We can flat out deny it. Thank you. Are there any other questions or discussion? I think Mr. Lee has brought up some good points in the fact that some of these are self-induced. Um, Mr. Shekels, when did you find out that the pumping house was too small that's uh, on the Parks and Rec property? Uh, and in the last year, maybe. And and it's there, there's a couple different options um, to fix it. There's increasing the size of the pumps. It's 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 not just. It seemed as simple at first as, hey, we got to drop another pump in. But then when you look at that, you need to upgrade the electric service. So all of a sudden, the electric service is driving the cost. So, okay, we can then instead build a little 10 by 10 addition to the building. That doesn't seem in and of itself very expensive or a big deal. But then you find out that there, there's, a, there's an issue of who owns the land. So it is, um, you know, you find out this information, you compartmentalize it, put it aside, Okay, now 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 let's now let's go. And all of a sudden, in February, it's like, wow, we 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 have an issue here. And then COVID hits. Um, in hindsight, being 2020, this this is this is the best market that we've seen in a long time. But um, like so, Mr. Foster, so said, I understand everybody's playing COVID, and that had a part to do with it. Right. But that doesn't change your design philosophy and your ability to continue to move forward. No, but we you were... You have a significant investment already in line. Yes. So for you not to be planning and trying to move forward and trying to present to this commission that, as Mr. Foster put, you just found out, and you told me you found out last uh, winter that you needed to do something with this pump house, and you haven't done anything with it. Now, those are things that are concerning to me because... It seems like you've just been kind of sitting on things, banking on another extension. Um, I'm sorry it comes across that way. It, the requirements for the pump station or the vacuum station, the design needs to be done before phase two is started. The actual improvement needs to be done um, before phase three is started. So there's multiple years before these improvements are actually need to be made. It's not the first thing that needs to be done. So what we are gearing up for in February was 
term sheet from our lender, contract with, our, with the builder. These things are done. Um, we were getting our final approvals. We were working with the bond company to get it done. And then the world shut down. We were ready to go. We were at the one-yard line in March. Um, all the financing lined up, 100% ready to go. Regardless, I mean, the, the issue with the vacuum station is, is, is something that, it, yes, it's an issue, but it, it's not, in my opinion, it was nothing that was going to stop us from breaking ground this spring. What stopped us from breaking ground this spring was COVID. So you're saying you could start phase one tomorrow. That's right. But going back to the time of year, Mr. Lee, I, I was a geotechnical inspector for a long time and, and spent the early part of my career on construction sites. There's a difference between frozen dirt and, and, and dirt that you can get compacted. And Mr. Sheeran said it right. If, you need the, if the dirt's wet, you need the summer months to dry the dirt to get compaction. So we want to start our clearing in March. Um, we want to put in our basins in April. We want to start mass grading activities in May. It could be wet, and, but it gives us a really long runway to get the mass grading and utilities done that way so then you're paving by Thanksgiving. We have an uncanny ability to start projects or to have approvals ready for us this time of year, um, and it just, it, it just doesn't make sense, especially for, for, for this project where it is and the soils that we have on site. Well, no doubt it's a hydric site. I mean, yeah. you've, you've worked to this point to work around all those non-tidal wetlands in there, and, and, and to that I, I tip my hat to the, to the applicant. Um, and, and thank you for that clarification, because I think most people in the room see the winter months as drier and therefore yeah. know, able to really make some hay to, to really hit the ground when you're going to get washed out in the spring. So appreciate the education. And also, like, like we said, if, if it's not 12 months... Um, I, I'd like eight or nine to, to do some paperwork after we, we pay our, our hookup fees in, um, or the reservation fee in six months. Any other questions for the applicant? <clears throat> this time I will look for a motion for an extension to the uh, Perry's Retreat subdivision. I'll make a motion that we um, agree to a 12-month extension. God forbid if we have another wet spring, um, the nine months wouldn't work or six months wouldn't work. Um, for a 12-month extension for the Perry's Retreat Subdivision 05-14-05-666, which means that this has been in progress for 15 years, which is a long time. I'm sure we don't have to remind you that. So I have a motion. Is there a second? Second. Motion and a second. Second, well, I'll give this one to Mr. Jackson. Um, is there any discussion by the commission? Ms. Diotis, you... We're thinking about maybe conditions of some kind. Uh, no, I, I mean I'm, I was I was concerned when I first reviewed the materials for this, you know, several days ago about all the extension, and and I do look at the if March twelfth wasn't the day that the state was locked down, it was certainly within a few days. So I'm, in my mind, the March to September extension was sort of void, null and void, um, because I don't think anything was going to be able to um, be done then. So. 
my lack of experience here um, might be showing, but I, I just feel like there has to be some end or some type of condition put on here, and I'm not exactly sure what the wording of that would be um, for, for a motion. But well, I would like to amend my motion to the last. This would be the last extension. Okay, so by this commission, we have an amendment from Ms. Dobson for a 12-month extension, and that it be the last extension. Now, um, Chris, uh, uh, is there a second? Oh. I have to see whether Tom. Tom, is, will you is, will you put a second on that? No. No. Okay. So I, I do have an amendment on the on the floor. Is there a second to that? And there is not. So the I would express I have concern about it dragging out, but I don't want to put an end to it. But that's yeah. Well what about what about the money that they they're supposedly gonna pay the county that they got a six inch a six-month extension for now. That doesn't come up with us, or that means that the county's not getting that money once again if we don't end this at some point. Correct? No. No, they have they have to pay that money in six months to keep well, the project alive. I'm not saying I won't deny them the next time they come back for a request, but I wouldn't put this as an automatic end to it either. I'd like to see this go forward. I don't want to see it drug out, but I don't want to put an, an end to it. You want an absolute? Yes. Right. I understand that. I, that's a so the amendment has not passed, so the original motion of a 12-month extension is still in play. Mere second is still in play. Yes. Is there any other discussion? Hearing none, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Abstain. Did you catch that, Sharon? That was Tom. Sharon. Lee. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Please don't forget to disinfect. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next uh, extension on the list is Meadows Ridge Phase 2, Major Subdivision 06-18-05-0011. Good morning. Um, Jeffrey Thompson on behalf of the, uh, of the applicant, the requestor here. Uh, when we were here in June, we uh, had requested a 90-day extension, thinking that it was sufficient. Uh, we had already submitted the um, cost estimates for the bond, and we had submitted <coughs> fully executed amended open space covenants. Uh, Mr. Kirby was waiting to hear back from planning and zoning. He checked in with them a month or so later, and... Um, staff wasn't able to find either one of those submittals, uh, so we had to go back, regroup. I went ahead and recirculated the amended open space covenants to the bank and to the... Of course, the applicants were easy, and then had Mr. Drummond re-sign off of those. And um, 
staff, I believe, Jack, you might, when, when were the bond estimates approved? They were? Um, they, I'd contacted the planning staff on the 16th of July, and it was indicated that they hadn't seen uh, the landscape estimates, so I sent those that day. I dropped them off. On the 23rd, we got the approval of the landscape um, amounts, and I forwarded those to my clients so that they could um, go ahead and process that with the bank to, to obtain their letters of credit. So, Jack, where are we with the plat signatures? Uh, the plats are fully uh, signed and executed and in the planning office's um, possession, uh, with the exception of the fire marshal and the planning director or, and the planning commission chairman, of course. Um, and I think the 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 fire marshal is waiting a hundred dollar fee, which my applicant uh, the applicant is going to provide as soon as they provide the landscape bond amounts, uh, which are currently. Uh, under review with Shore United Bank, I believe. Yeah, I mean, we're, what, where we are right now is we're waiting for the bank to approve the bond. Uh, I don't know if that will require some mortgage financing or whatever the bond's in, what, a $300,000 range. So like, it's likely to require that. That's one of the reasons for the 90 days. And then the amended open space governance need to go to the commissioners for their execution. 90 days should be sufficient, but we do need that additional time to, to close this out. We've got a very anxious client, so we don't have a client who's stalling at all. It's just, just the opposite. Are there any questions of the applicant? Hearing none, is there any public comment? No public comment at this time. All in favor of a 90-day uh, extension? Uh, correction. I'll take a uh, motion for a 90-day extension. Chairman, I'll make a motion to approve the applicant's uh, request for 90 days for subdivision 18-5-0011, Meadows Edge, phase two. Second. I have a motion and a second by Mr. Ebersberger. Any discussion? Hearing none, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Hearing none, unanimous. Thank you. Thank you, members. Please disinfect, gentlemen. I haven't touched any of it. <laughs> Thank you, man. Next on the agenda uh, is an extension request for major site plan 19, SP 19-10-0042, Wells Cove Development. Mr. Davis. Tom Davis here with DMS and Associates. Uh, this is a project that was a four-unit condominium uh, building down at Wells Cove Condominiums. It uh, was previously approved back in 06, 07. The site plan lapsed. We came back uh, with a slightly modified footprint. I received conditional approval earlier this year. Uh, our clients are, are actually, I just talked to them on my way in, are bringing in uh, cash deposits for the shorties. That's really the last thing that we have to do. So I should have the cash deposits in for shorties for landscaping, sediment control, and I think there was some minor uh, utility improvements in the next week or so. So we're asking. I think I put in for uh, six months, but I don't think it'll take that long. So we're, this is our first extension request uh, for this particular project.
there any questions of the applicant? Hearing none, I'll entertain a motion. <clears throat> I'll make a motion that we allow Wells Credit Development um, major site plan SP number 19-10-0042 to grant them a six-month extension. Motion. Is there a second? Second. Second by Mr. Jackson. Any discussion? Hearing none. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Hearing none. Unanimous. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. Uh, and the last. That is the, that is the last one. Uh, next up on the agenda is a uh, minor site plan uh, for a project SP19-09-0037 for Economy Tree Service Incorporated, proposing to remove an existing structure and to construct a 7,200-square-foot building with office and storage. Mr. Gunther? The applicants a second to uh, get themselves situated. Good morning, everybody. As you mentioned, um, this morning, first up is uh, Economy Tree Service, um, who is proposing to construct a 7,200-square-foot building that has an office and storage area in it, and the building will replace um, an existing building that's currently on site. This is a general location in the county. You can see it's a, a bit northwest of uh, Chesapeake College, which is down in here. The site contains two parcels, which the applicant owns both. You can see the one in the solid line um, is the parcel where the commercial development is proposed to take place. The one to the south, parcel 29, uh, it's really hard to see, but there is a dashed line around it, is an adjoining parcel, um, as I mentioned, the applicant owns, that the stormwater will run to, and it also contains an area of forest conservation. The two parcels are zoned different, so the purple area is SI, which is suburban industrial, um, which is why the commercial development is proposed on this site. The parcel 29 is neighborhood conservation, which does not allow the uh, commercial development on it. So let me caution you that this is a Google Streets image, so it is a bit out of date. I believe the billboard is gone, and there is... Um, the street buffer for Route 50 uh, planted right here, uh, and it runs the whole frontage length of the property. But I just wanted to give you uh, an image of the building that is to be removed, which is uh, actually a Queen Anne's County numbered historical structure as well. This is a little further down the site to see the uh, operation. On the far right, you can see the um, wood pile um, back against the trees. Um, equipment, truck parking, and so on. Again, this whole frontage area has landscaping planted. Finally, after years of pursuing that. <laughs> Finally, after years of pursuing that. <laughs> um, so this is the site plan. It's a bit busy, but there's four or five sheets combined onto this one. Uh, the red outline is the proposed new structure. 
the gray around it is the uh, the parking and such for the equipment and trucks. This project is permitted 36,428 square feet of floor area, uh, which is 40% of the site. They are only proposing just shy of 8,000 square feet. Um, the impervious surface permitted is 59,196. Uh, you can see they are almost at their max at 55,909. Um, and that is takes into account all the gray area. But if you remember, I pointed out the wood storage area, um, the storage of raw materials, <coughs> excuse me, outside is considered impervious cover by definition. So this area to the left is also counted in the impervious surface calculation. Um, the property will be served by private well and septic. There's no new freestanding signs proposed. There will be a sign um, on, the, on the building itself no new lights, just security lights that will be mounted on the building as well. So the site contains non-tidal wetlands and streams shown in the top. Um, it also has a sensitive species project review area, and there is a 100-year floodplain on the site as well. There's Delmarva fox squirrel in the area. Um, there's its FIDS habitat, um, and the white catfish is... Uh, been found in the Y East River, which is what this drainage stream runs to. Um, there is no proposed disturbance to the woodlands or wetlands, um, no development within the floodplain, and no woodland disturbance. Um, therefore, um, in a letter that was attached to your staff report, um, there are accompanying emails with that too that staff has. The DNR is um, not requiring any conservation measures due to the lack of disturbance in these um, habitat areas. As I mentioned, forest conservation is on the parcel 29. The area outlined in green is 0.83 acres. Um, this site is considered a priority protection area by code um, due to the fact that it contains wetlands, streams, floodplains, and critical habitat. So these are the areas we want protected by forest. Here's the landscaping plan. I've, it's kind of hard to see. I overlaid it onto the aerial, and you can see the portion along Route 50 has been planted. Um, the additional landscaping will be required. Um, they are providing landscaping between um, dislike uses. So this is a residential parcel that the applicant does not own, so they're going to buffer between the two. Here's some renderings that the applicant provided. The top left is looking west from Harrington Road. This is the entrance to the building, obviously. The top right is what you will see from Route 50. And then the opposite sides and rear of the building, which most folks will not see. Um, as you'll note in your staff report, this is a minor site plan. For the new members of the commission, Minor site plans typically are not brought for your review and approval. Um, however, if they are located um, on Route 50, um, they are brought to your attention for your review and approval, which is why this, this project is here. Um, with that, uh, I'm happy to answer any questions, or we can turn it over to the applicant and fill in any blanks. Can you go back to the overhead and show us which is the... A historical property that or building that's this, been marked? This building right here. And you said that's one slated to be raised? Yes. And uh, Ms. Mordock reviews for heritage. Um, 
our heritage our heritage um, code is fairly lenient. They'll have to do a tier one, and then if the tier one study warrants any further study, they'll have to do another tier two study in that. But there is no prohibition on the raising of that building. So it's been marked a Queen Anne County landmark, but they can no, raise it. No, no, it's no, not no, a landmark. Just because it's a more than 50 years yes. old. And, and it has been cataloged. So as they're cataloged, they're assigned a number by MHT, Maryland Historical Trust. Um, it doesn't mean it's significant. It, they'll, they'll put a writing up about it. Um, but any building that's 50 years old, heck, the bridge on Route 50 that's a little further down is noted as a heritage site as well. Um, have to photograph it. And yeah. They'll take pictures, document it, and... Thank you. Turn. Your turn. Hi, I'm, I'm Brandon Davis, representing Davis Moore Sheridan Associates, the civil engineers for the project. And joining me is Jim Roy, the property owner and owner of the Economy Tree Service business. Um, Rob pretty much uh, covered everything that I had on my uh, key talking points here. Um, would like to point out the final square footage of the actual footprint of the building is just 6,000 square feet. However, the floor area equates to 7,200 for a second story storage area above the proposed office, which will uh, be facing Arrington Road. Um, in reference to the extensive environmental features that are on the property, um, in our initial submittal, we had actually proposed to impact a fringe area of uh, the the trees, Robert, do you have that sheet three view? Um, that one. So the stormwater management pond was sited, <coughs> sorry, sited a little bit further to the north, and we actually rotated that whole swale alignment and rotated the pond to avoid tree clearing, and then also um, we've always maintained to be out of the non-tidal wetlands buffer as well. And then we've been working with the Department of Public Works to, uh, to design a safe and responsible discharge from that pond using a level spreader and expanded riprap area to uh, prevent erosion. Um, we did our Department of Natural Resources Conservation as part of this, and as Rob pointed out, they found some species of concern. Um, it's my understanding that it would not have been a requirement because the site is outside the critical area to perform those typical measures of a Delmarva fox squirrel in need of conservation status. However, we took it upon ourselves to avoid forest areas um, for forest conservation purposes and to avoid any issues with sensitive species. Um, I, uh, in reference to the existing historical structure, uh, the demo permit has been applied for, and the owner and contractor have been coordinating with the uh, local historical Society and I believe they've come on site already mm -hmm. to do their Tier 2 survey as part of that process. Um, and they document it and create a floor plan. And um, there was actually already some pretty significant records compared to other sites that I've worked on already about the property, and they'll expand on it with their, their recent work. Um, and lastly, um, Rob referenced the first neighbor to the south that's a residential owner. 
It's the first. So it's that parcel six at the bottom. Um, Mr. Roy actually owns parcel 28 that's surrounded by our piece. Um, but I got, um, as part of our adjacent property owner notification, the only call that I received was from the owner of parcel six. And he was more concerned about the uh, beehives that Mr. Roy maintains on the property and was hoping that they would remain um, more than he was about the project itself and was very thankful that we were locating that uh, landscape buffer along his property line. Um, and the only other thing I'd note is we're, we're, uh, we're processing an administrative subdivision that legally combines these two properties into a single parcel. So the designation of parcel 29 would be dissolved into parcel 37. However, that doesn't remove the zoning boundary that slices through the combined parcel. That's... I have. If you have any questions for me or Mr. Rule? No. Do we know when that aerial was taken? I assume that's Google. Yes. Any idea? Um, roughly 2018-ish. I can. This is this map is actually um, QAC map, which I believe they were flown in 18. Um, there's a little spillover. It looks like uh, on the commercial activity onto the NC district <coughs> property, yep. which has been a bone of contention with this property it, off and on for years. And I hope there isn't, I hope uh, it's hard. I'm not making any accusations because you can't tell really what's going on on parcel 29 from that aerial, but uh, alerting the property owner that even after the administrative subdivision, the commercial activity cannot spread on to the NC district property. NC property is not a commercial district so he's correct it cannot spill over um, because of that we have had zoning inspector Joe Pippen go out to inspect the site there was spillover um, the applicant has since removed um, that stuff and in your memo your staff memo um, is a memo from Joe Pippen stating he went out there and um, it was currently in compliance the last time he went which was August 17th of 2020. This is the culmination of about 10 years of back and forth between the property owners and the county. Um, that, and I'm glad to see we're finally at this point. A couple questions. Mr. Davis, if I may. Mr. Chairman. Please. Um, you had suggested, and clarify if I'm incorrect, on parcel 28, the applicant owns that small parcel as well? Yes. Is that why there's no buffer proposed to wrap around that particular property at this time? Yes. What then would happen if that property were to be sold? Would the, <clears throat> the next homeowner would be on the hook to look at it in the back of an industrial complex that... I can address that if you would like. So... The difference between the two zoning districts requires the buffer. So this buffer um, proposed down by parcel 6 actually belongs between the SI and the NC here. Um, because the applicant owns this as well, we felt, well, previous reviewers felt that it wasn't necessary to buffer his own property. So in lieu of planting this buffer here, they were proposed it and approved it um, down here. Right, my, my, my question 
emanates from the concern that parcel 28 in the future, business is sold, whatever happens, happens. So I guess parcel my point was there's no buffer required around parcel 28 regardless because all of this, everything south of parcel 37 is zoned NC. I see. No, okay, I understand. But, but you are now, but the uh, DMS testified that they're going to consolidate parcel 29 and 37 Absolutely. to make it all one SI zone. No, no. no. One parcel. One split parcel. Zone. Split zone. Yes. Yeah. They have okay. to go through and prove change of mistake just like everybody else if they want to get it rezoned. I don't think there's any secret that the intention during comp plan update is to try and get more of this property zoned SI. That time moving the property line is part of that initiative. That time of next development, if it in fact is rezoned SI, a buffer is required around parcel 28. But so tear the house down. Don't be surprised when a couple of years from now it doesn't matter. If it's zoned NC, it's a dislike. Comes in and this should have been they want SI for that whole thing. Don't be surprised. That's what's going on here. At which time that would trigger a buffer requirement around parcel 28, regardless of whether the applicant owns it or not? Uh, That's a good question. That would be triggered by some type of expanded development and site plan onto an area if it were to be rezoned. And that parcel 30. I don't don't want to think about it, dealing with you guys, any more than, you know. um, Well, if, if the buffer was put in. Where it was supposed to on the on the property line, um, wouldn't the house on twenty eight currently have a better view than it does now? Absolutely, because now it's looking at commercial property. Absolutely, and it's your prerogative to say mm, we don't like it. We want it moved. Uh, that's that's up to you guys to can. That's that's lo- the current tenant is yeah. It, it's acts as a night watchman essentially for yeah. you, correct? It, it, it's it's an employee of mine just to keep an eye. I just had forty thousand dollars worth of chainsaws stolen a couple months ago, and that's with eyes there. I had forty. That's why I need a building to park these trucks in a building. Uh, but they cleaned out every chainsaw I had, every chainsaw, every pole saw, every hedge trimmer. Over forty thousand dollars worth of saws taken off mm. my property. When do you anticipate the consolidation of the lots to be completed? It's floating around now. Yeah, I believe we don't have any outstanding comments related to the administrative subdivision, so we would be looking to obtain final signatures on that plat as we would be cycling these site plans around for final signatures and all um, becoming completed at the same time. Um, I believe staff provided minimal comment maybe two, I think, for the last um, iteration of that plan. So we go back to the site plan. I want to, the, yeah, notice also that the entrance, if you saw that aerial, you saw, you saw that the entrance was straddling the zoning line or the property line. The uh, commercial entrance had to be moved, I suppose we would say, to the east so that it's on the SI district uh, land, not straddling the SI and NC district lands. Rob, I'm right about that, right? So in this picture here, let me find my cursor. The entrance was down here. It was moved towards the top of the screen, towards Route 50, so that the commercial entrance was on the commercial site. So this is not accurate? 
No, that exactly. is accurate. The exactly. aerial. Go back to the aerial. Okay, see how it straddles the property line and therefore the zoning line. The entrance will be moved essentially to where the, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, where the house is that's to be demolished. Roughly. Roughly, yeah. The, the lower edge of that gray, solid-filled area is the lower edge of our proposed travelway on that next sheet. Sorry. And that is one and the same as the existing current property line that will be dissolved, but the zoning line will always be right there until a comprehensive plan revises it. Are there any, any other questions of the applicant? I have one, I believe just one more, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Davis, uh, with respect to stormwater uh, improvements, it, it appears, right, there's a there's a lead-in, a conveyance that essentially just south of the property border we were just discussing, right? That's the headwaters, if you will, of the of the system. And then there appears to be several other um, inlets uh, going north toward Route 50. Does that stormwater drainage basin, if you will, encompass only the shaded part here of the parking lot, or is it draining also or, and therefore treating the impervious surface that Mr. Gunther described as, as your storage lot area with the with the wood piles that are currently there, or does that is that flow heading still down toward that uh, receiving waters? Our proposed stormwater management feature essentially treats that gray area towards Arrington Road through grading and a berm. We've we've separated the existing conditions versus the proposed, and our collecting all of the proposed improvements and directing them towards that stormwater management pond. The, um, the topographical ravine or gut, so to speak, that has those tree symbols on the northern side of it and just kind of points at the building to the right is actually the old path of Maryland Route 662 that used to go past the historic store. Um, and so it's a you know, it's now just a, a wooded area, but that's actually the the down-sloping path from the old road bed. And it currently collects drainage from the majority of the site and just sends it down unchecked into that ravine, whereas now we're harnessing and collecting that runoff and sending it to our stormwater management feature. So in a nutshell, your proposed stormwater system, as depicted here, will treat simply the new and improvements that you're requesting, not the older storage facility, storage area, wood pile that Correct. that we see currently. Is there any opportunity to treat that stormwater while we're so we're digging once on site? It would take some substantial grading efforts and some very unique measures, I would say, around its perimeter. And it was you no. Know, now's the time to talk about this. We're, we've discussed at length and has been provided information from. Uh, state authorities that there are significant uh, sensitive areas, wetlands, floodplains, at least two sensitive species. Um, so I'm just, I'd want clarity and make sure I'm, um, and, and, and I guess lastly, uh, Mr. Davis, uh, just can I some clarification? Um, I don't know, Mr. Gunther, if you can find a, a maybe a less busy slide, but still a plat that has the proposed septic reserve to be abandoned and reserve the septic system to be removed. Can you just clarify what that, I know what a septic reserve system is, um, but then you have another arrow pointing to that saying exer existing septic system to be removed. 
and it appears to be labeled as the same same location. Um, I guess on the existing conditions plan, the existing septic reserve area is actually just about in the footprint of the western part of our building. There's yep. an existing, I believe there's a single 100-foot-long trench and septic tank in that area, and all that is to be removed. It serves that existing house that we're planning to demolish. And then our proposed septic reserve area is straight downward of the red rectangular building um, that we've coordinated with the uh, health department. So the septic reserve areas between the proposed building and that um, that other parcel lot 28 that we were discussing the landscaping thing on. So that rectangle that you see is where the proposed drain field will be. That's just south of that existing, or the proposed building. It's on the south side of the headwaters of that stormwater conveyance? If anything were to drain off of that septic area from a surface standpoint, it would go into the pond. Right. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> And I guess, sorry, I keep adding because the trains of thought are running quickly this morning. Um, is super silt fence required on this site, or would it be standard issue generic regular silt fence? Just for the flow paths that are draining, we're sheet flowing in all directions, so it's just currently proposed as standard silt fence based on our flow lengths. Thank you. That, um, I guess I didn't realize if the septic system is to be on what will be a separate lot now. You either need it, we need to finalize the administrative or we need an easement agreement. It's our understanding that that subdivision would have to be signed off on and recorded before a building permit okay. would ever be issued. All right, fair enough. And with that, that septic, the newly proposed septic field, is that uh, BAT, best available technology system, or is that traditional? Traditional, since we're outside the critical area. Mr. Chairman, would it be all right if I addressed uh, Mr. Lee yes. with regard to your questions about stormwater management? Yourself? Excuse me? Can you please identify who I will. You are? Trey Porter, Department of Public Works. Uh, I was responsible for the design review of this project, and um, I wanted to take a moment to address it. It is a rather complex and unusual um, design, really based on our request, and that was it is a, it's an unusual design in, in the fact that Traditional ESD features, um, bio retention and submerged gravel wetland, lots of those would be clogged by the debris that this site creates. So we kind of quickly determined, actually a couple years ago, that it would be best suited for a, a detention pond system and really to, to really manage the quantity and have some quality storage um, as opposed to a traditional ESD stormwater management plan. That was kind of where we were two years ago with this project. And it's where we are now. We we did consider the uh, your your comment about the uh, log storage area and and processing area. Um, one of the concerns that we have is we want to we we don't like to impact existing forest for the purpose of stormwater management. Um, and one of the issues that we had with this project is when you take a site like this and. Predominantly, this site drains to the west, and it drains. Um, there's there's a point here, a point there. It's it's some sheet flow. It's a little bit of shallow concentrated. When you develop a site like this and you try to bring everything to a pond, what you do is you create a concentrated discharge point. So instead of having most of the majority of that western edge being uh, you know discharge, you now have a concentrated point. In those woods, there are steep slopes, and we really 
I, I, at the request of DPW, they, they designed a level spreader. Um, that helps. Uh, it, it's the type of thing where we really didn't want to expand the drainage area going to, to the pond in that location and to create a secondary pond really it, it didn't seem practical on this site so um, we you know in the review process we did consider that and it was it was um, in that particular area the log treatment area it is kind of sh sort of a sheet flow condition it's not really there aren't apparently a lot of shallow concentrated or concentrated flows in that area so in that regard we were satisfied plus the log area was determined in the calculations it was included in the calculations and the pond and the detention was oversized to accommodate for for that surface so it's not a textbook esd treatment it's certainly a compromise but based on um, the balance between trying to preserve the existing forest vegetation that's acting as a, a buffer in a relatively steep slope area, uh, this is ultimately what we decide was, a, was an approvable design. Thank you, Mr. Porter. And just for clarification, you say the, the level spreader, that's the outfall at the lower left, that riprap? Yes, sir. To, to slow the flow, if you will, before it enters into the floodplain and down, down gradient? It slows the velocity by spreading it out, yes. Right. Thank you. Yeah, indeed. It's, and I'll second your comment on it's a tricky site, and for certainly for Queen Anne's County, it's got a lot of relief. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Lee, for bringing your expertise into that. Uh, are there any other questions of the applicant? Entertain a motion for. Site plan approval. Oh, oh, correction. Yes, thank you. Uh, is there any public comment? Uh, no public comment at this time. No public comment here in the room. I will now entertain a motion for site plan approval. I'll make a motion. Be it resolved that the Planning Commission regarding the request by Economy Tree Service Incorporated for minor site plan approval for a 7,200-square-foot building with an office and storage area along Arrington Road and is more particularly described in Department of Planning and Zoning File SP number 19-09-WAT37 hereby finds this plan to be consistent with goals and objectives of the Queen Anne's County Zoning and Subdivision Regulations and the 2010 Comprehensive Plan. Do you want the... Second. The five? Findings. Oh. Wait a minute. Yeah, we, we need to do some findings. Okay, the build, number one, buildings with the following um, conditions. Grants minor site plan approval with the following conditions. The buildings are constructed consistent with the architectural elevations provided for approval. Two, any remaining remaining edits and or documents required by the Department of Public Works, Planning and Zoning or other reviewing agency be reviewed and approved. Three, any required legal documents must be approved, signed and recorded. Four, all required estimates. Bond, sureties, review and inspection fees must be submitted to the Department of Public Works and Department of Planning and Zoning as appropriate. And five, all required signatures must be obtained. 
Second. I have a motion and a second. Is there any discussion? I'd like to introduce two new um, following conditions, Mr. Chairman, if I may. Uh, number six, if we're following the vernacular on the staff report, is to require a supercell fence around the limited disturbance based on the sensitivity of down gradient species. Uh, I think it's prudent to protect receiving waters, um, and especially with the, uh, the elevation change from the proposed building to the uh, stormwater treatment facility. And number seven is to request uh, require that the applicant um, upgrade their septic system from traditional to best available technology based, again, on those same, uh, <coughs> same site conditions I just outlined. I'm a little... I'm sorry, you didn't call for discussion. So we have a... Amendment to the motion to add two additional conditions. Is there a second on that? Second for discussion. Yeah, yep. can't, can't and discuss we have and we have a second. So. Okay, discussion. Um, if Department of Public Works has approved the system that they're using, why do we need to go and make it more so? Why do we need to? Put more requirements on the builder. I'm confused. What requirements do you specifically say the department? You're saying that they have to go with the with the current um, most up to date. If they've been approved, they've been approved, correct? That's not Department of Public Works, to my knowledge. I think department. It's the health department. Health department. Health department. I meant the health department. Sure. Well, the state law requires that if they're outside of critical area, they do not have to. However, we have the ability as a body to impose greater conditions on that site based on site conditions that I just outlined. So, yes, I'm asking them to go above and beyond what is currently required in state law because uh, there are FIDS habitat, floodplain, the proximity to the receiving stream, and a rare, threatened, or endangered, I forget which, uh, the white catfish in the, in the, that have been documented as downstream resources. Typically, a BAT septic tank can add ten to twenty thousand dollars to a project, from my understanding, compared to a two thousand to three thousand dollar standard. What's the difference tank. in the super silt versus the silt? Super silt fence. I I certainly understand that concern, and I wouldn't con contest. But what's that. the difference in cost? Oh, um, oh. Usually, when we do our linear foot, um, you're talking about two dollars and fifty cents per linear foot for regular. And we usually use about a ten dollar per linear foot, so four times markup. Well, that's quite an quite inexpensive, too. Um, well, it's it's for good reason in my mind, um, right? We're we're battling poor water quality conditions downstream from projects like this and others uh, that that typically come before us, and we have seen uh, most recently. What's the development there, um, just outside of Queenstown, coming to Centerville, Warrington Road? Arrington, Arrington. No, 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 Warrington. The one that's far lane, Bishop's Meadow. Yeah. Yes, they they had some problems because again they had a, a an outfall designed similarly to this with a, a significant fall from uh, top of the system to the bottom, and they had some erosion concerns there um, in in slowing that flow. And just as a precautionary measure, 
and thank you, Mr. Davis, for uh, accepting that request for super sill fence. I just think it's prudent. Certain um, certain segments of that topography that we could certainly implement super yeah, sill fence. Yeah, it doesn't need to be up, you know, sure, sure. along Route 50 necessarily. That's at right. the top of the system. But, you know, certainly going along those woods uh, and down gradient where you're going to pick up speed and, and likely sediment uh, transport. Um, and that the same rationale goes for the BAT systems. They reduce... Uh, significant nitrogen loading to receiving waters over time. And yes, they are more expensive, but that's... Bishop's Meadow is also outside of the critical area, so there's, what, 35 lots in there and not a single one has a BAT septic tank. Because it's not, not a requirement. Oh, that was also, phase one was approved about 15 years ago, so things have changed a little bit since then. <laughs> but this... Well, I was going to say the septic is approved house by house. I understand yeah. that, and Mr. Lee's been clear. This is a, this is above and beyond uh, in the context of health, safety, and welfare. I guess he would uh, seek to justify this, or the, the justification would be health, safety, and welfare, which the planning commission certainly is entitled to consider. Just as a, a point of background, the county has sent, spent significant amounts of money. Um, doing watershed restoration work, um, in particular in this area up at Chesapeake College to treat in the Y. I'm not saying whether you should vote for this or not, but if Mr. Davis is providing background, I'll provide some too. Um, you know, watershed work above and beyond what the state requires. Um, the commissioners have, have ponied up money for that type of work. At considerable taxpayer expense, I might add. The county's investment. Mr. Roy, do you have any comments you'd like to address to the commission? No, no, no comments. Thank you. Give me a second. This has been going on for, for years, and, you know, there's been a lot of family issues going on. It hasn't taken 10 years. My brother passed away seven years ago. I inherited this this property and, and it's, you know, I had, I had to deal with the Department of the Environment, which I did and, and you know, he put me up. Um, the gentleman came from Salisbury and was, was, you know, it had been going on for years. I mean, probably well, it's been going on long, long, longer than ten years, right? Absolutely. Yeah, right. it was. It was long and, before your brother passed away. But again, my when my brother passed, he um, he came in. You know, I addressed. To, you know, he wouldn't talk to me. He says, "I can't talk to you. You're, you're represented by legal counsel. I can't talk to you." I called him right at the desk, picked the phone up. I told my lawyer, "You're fired. I'm going to do everything the man wants me to do." And he put me up as a poster child. Had other people that had the same issues call me to say, "Hey, you know." Ha- this is how you do it, and and I did it, and it, it's just been a nightmare getting to this point. The cost, I was, ta- we were talking before the meeting. I, I should have bought the building up next to Davy, and just moved up into Talbot County. I, I'm, I'm loyal to Queen Anne's County. I'm a, um, I grew up here, but you know this has been a nightmare. It has it, to to just get to this point, and the the expense. Had I known that it was going to be the hundreds of thousands of dollars it was going to turn. You know, I'd have been much better buying a building somewhere else, and and you know, you're talking about you know, oh, just another thirty thousand, just another five thousand, ten thousand. On top of, you know, I'm I'm well over 
big numbers, big numbers, and for the little tree company. So I'm, and I'm trying to clean the place up. Anything I do there is going to be an improvement. And the plants, it took a while to get the plants up. I don't know anybody that, that plants a, a buffer before you put the building up. You know, they're going to tear that stuff up when they get in there moving equipment around. So, I mean, that's all I've got. But it's been long and hard. Don't plan on seeing me anytime soon. We, I get through this. I'm not going to be building anything. You won't see me. I'd like to add in regards to the septic system where the all proposed office use, I mean, we're, we're proposing an office. There's a warehouse. There's no, you know, there's no washer machines. There's no, I mean, a, a typical single-family dwelling usually creates more of a septic drain field demand than even a, you know, an office that we're, we're proposing here from a flow standpoint. Proposing, I think the space is 1,200 square foot when you compare that to a family of five living in a 4,000 square foot house with, you know, three bedrooms, a shower, all, all the above. It's, it's a lot less of a demand from a septic standpoint. With all due respect, Mr. Davis, I agree that perhaps the volumetric con, uh, contributions to the septic may uh, may not be equivalent to a, a residential. But uh, I also think and have to presume that the various number of employees that Mr. Roy has will use the facility there. So perhaps the concentration and the loadings will be increased. That's not fair. We're, I, so I can't not, imagine we they come, come to work for lunch if they're on the other side I, of the I, county. Just, we don't take trees down on Arrington Road. Mr. Roy, I'm, I'm sympathetic to your your conversation your, and your financial situation. I truly am. But stormwater and septic systems are the two perils that the Bay is currently receiving, and they're the only two that are increasing. And it's not inexpensive which is why we're doing so much work with the agricultural community and Bay Restoration, because they their practices are relatively inexpensive to these hard, heavy infrastructure, infrastructure-heavy projects like you're proposing. I, I truly am sympathetic, and I get it. This is my profession. Um, and I understand that. It, it, it's putting additional burdens on you, and I'm asking you to go above and beyond. But I think that... Both DNR and the county has outlined that these are sensitive areas. This particular property uh, has it, a unique location, and and therefore has, I, in my view, unique requirements that should be emplaced upon. It, it's still up for discussion. So, if there's no other questions for the applicant or discussion with them, we have a motion on the table. Uh, with the two amendments to include super silt vents and the best available technology for the silt vents. That Sept is septic system. Or septic system, sorry. Um, best available technology for the septic system. I, so I, I think you should vote on the amendment. Yes. So I'll point out that I, I think I heard the applicant agree to one of these um, proposals. The super silt fence. Right. However, the amendment, unless... For both. That's right. Yeah, the, the amendment included both. Right. So we'll vote on the amendment first um, to include the super silt fence and the best available technology for the uh, septic. 
I have a question on that. The super silt fence is around the entire project, or is it going to be limited to critical areas? I would assume that it would be limited to the lower elevations of the drainage area. I, 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 what we're saying? If the down gradient, certainly. I, I don't think yeah. it needs to be along the entire limited disturbance. Just want to clarify. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be happy to concede that, you know, uh, Mr. Davis, beyond the, the gray shaded, right, down gradient of, of that. Can we change it? Would you consider changing it and voting on these separately? Well, if it's denied, I'll introduce another amendment that will simply include <laughs> the super silver. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's going to happen here. <laughs> so we have we have the motion um, and a second. Is there any further discussion? All in favor, say aye. Aye. All opposed, say nay. 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 So that motion has failed. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to make an amendment Please. to whoever made the first, Ms. Dobson, uh, to add a number six uh, to include super silt fence around the limit of disturbance uh, uh, south uh, of the delineation between the SI and whatever neighborhood conservation, right? Essentially the septic, uh, sorry, <laughs> rubbing off on me, Mr. Reese, the stormwater uh, portions of the limit of disturbance. I don't know if that's clear enough for you, Sharon. So, I think we all know what you mean. Okay. Second. I have a motion and a second. All in favor of the motion? Is there any discussion? That means everywhere except along Route 50 and Arrington Road. Thanks. Is there any other discussion required? All in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? None. All right. Now we can go to the uh, motion as presented uh, with the addition. The silt fence has been incorporated as number six. Is there any other discussion that's required? My only concern is that we're granting an approval on a property that hasn't been properly subdivided without an easement. Um, well, I guess you could uh, maybe, uh, okay, you could add a condition that the there, there will be no building permit until the administrative subdivision approval is granted. How about that? I would like to introduce a number seven <laughs> as an amendment that uh, no building permit be issued until they either have a proper subdivision or an easement is obtained uh, for the two parcels. Second. An easement for the septic. For the septic. For the septic. Well, it would be the septic and the stormwater management. Right. Second. I have a motion and a second. Is there any discussion? Hearing none, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Hearing none. Now, uh, we have a motion and a second. To approve the 7,200 square foot building and the office space with the other findings. Is there any other discussion regarding that? Hearing none, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Hearing none. Congratulations, Mr. Roy. Thank you very much. Thank you. So I do have a request to take a five minute break. Um, so we'll take a five-minute break and come back and 
here the uh, information regarding 18-1-13D. And Mr. Bird. I'm just going to uh, brief you on what you have before you because you may not have seen an application like this in a long while if you have ever seen an application like this. Can you introduce yourself? I'm sorry, yes. I'm Amy Mordock. I'm the uh, acting director for Queen Anne's County Planning and Zoning. Um, so, like I said, what you have is basically. Um, an interpretation before you that is established in 181-13, which is our general district regulations for uses not permitted. And what that does is that allows the director to make a determination about uses that aren't specifically listed. So if a use is materially, materially similar, then it can be interpreted to be permitted. And if a use is not found to be similar to other permitted uses within a district, then the director has this option of writing a determination and then for forwarding that matter to this board for consideration for amendment. And so that is what we're doing today. Uh, Mr. Barry Waterman has submitted a proposed use which is not listed. And uh, the former director, Mr. Wisnowski, and our attorney, uh, Mr. Drummond, reviewed this application of, of a proposed use and decided it was not materially similar. And what it is, essentially, is a use uh, that would allow for small cottages to be considered a multiplex use or a multifamily use. The distinction in our code uh, is specific to multi-family uh, multi uses are, have connecting walls. Our apartments, our condominiums, our duplexes. And what townhouses. In townhouses. Uh, what this use would suggest is that a multiplex use may be disconnected. Um, so that is what you have before you. And I'm not going to read to you my staff report, but I provided for you all of the applicable laws so that you can see uh, what uses are permitted and what kinds of um, design standards there are in the, um, the Graysonville Village Commercial District, some of the comprehensive plan findings, but also uh, a look at the planned residential development standards, which also guide... Uh, setbacks and uh, bulk standards for multiplex uses. Uh, there also would be likely proposed uh, amendments to our definition section as well to accommodate this proposal. Um, what you really have before you is that determination of that use that the director found uh, not materially similar to other permitted uses in both this district, the GBC, but also in the planned uh, residential development standards and in our definition section. So you have two basic uh, courses of action that you can take. You may review this favorably um, to consider that um, this amendment should be enacted into our code, into the GBC district, also the planned residential, and likely into the glossary. Um, and you may support that 
text amendment moving forward. You may agree that the text amendment should be favorably considered, and you might support that that text amendment be considered in the context of the comprehensive plan update um, just to evaluate uh, housing needs more comprehensively uh, rather than looking at it just in this district. So you can support it in two ways, by promoting and pushing forward with the text amendment sponsored by this board or deferring it to the comp comprehensive update. Um, your other course of action would be an unfavorable consideration where you feel as though it is not a text amendment that should be entertained by this board uh, at this time, and in that which case Mr. Waterman could pursue the February um, submittal time period for text amendments for your consideration and or decide to participate in the comprehensive update uh, conversation. But this will give him guidance as to which direction he should take. And um, I'm going to really hand the floor over to Mr. Waterman and his son, Kevin Waterman, to um, give his presentation as to the intent of this uh, proposal. Thanks, Amy. Good morning. I'm Barry Waterman. It's Kevin Waterman. We're the principals of Waterman Realty in Chester, Maryland. Um, our company owns a small piece of property, six-tenths of an acre, in downtown Graysonville. This is the second property that we've attempted to do a small development on. Uh, the last one was abandoned for a number of reasons. Um, and through those processes, we have found a number of problems with, with the zoning that, um, that can be addressed. Um, but we think that we've come up with something better than what's currently allowed. And I would just like to go on the record that uh, while staff has found this not to be materially similar, they haven't said this is a bad idea. So you'll have to ask them what that is. But, but you, they have not said, we don't like it. They simply said, we can't allow it. Um, this was um, our original proposal. This property is between two commercial properties across from a commercial property and has residential properties on the backside. And what we can do today is to do five townhouses, just like this. Dude, Barry, it would be helpful if you could... Uh, orient the Planning Commission to where it's located. Okay. Um, Station Lane, coming off of 50, where the uh, Renault Mart and um, Hunter's, Hunter's. Hunter's Seafood, the Brick Church, I don't remember which one it is. This is and, uh, Marty Armand's on one side with his garage door company, and on the other side is the AMJ uh, or AJ, AMJ uh, lot where they park cars on the grass. And this is in between those. Uh, so it's, it's right downtown Graysonville. Uh, under the current zoning ordinance, we can, we can go and we believe we can come in and get approval for this townhouse project. The design guidelines for Graysonville um, request that you make every effort to put parking behind units, not out on, on the street. Uh, when we looked at this property, our... Um, our first intent was to build town to, to try to find a hole in the market that wasn't being served. So we wanted to build townhouses with a garage because it would be a feature that's not available in that area. The problem is you can't make something that looks like this look good on the backside. The garage has to face away from the street, so you're going to have the back of these units facing uh, the road. We just don't think that was a good idea. So we had to abandon the idea of, of garages. 
this is a, a, a plan uh, actually for a triplex, but it's the same thing. This is, this is two units trying to make them look like a house, like a single-family house, but it still looks like a duplex. Um, so it, it's going to look different than most of the other houses in the area. So we came down to we're just going to do a, a nice-looking townhouse from the front, try to make it look nice from the parking lot. Um, and, and this is fine, and if you guys don't like our idea, this is what we're going to move forward with. Um, however, if we took those same footprints from those five townhouses and pull them apart 10 feet, this is what the site plan would look like. It's the same site plan. The only difference is there's three marriage walls that don't exist. We've pulled those houses apart from each other. There's no more units. There's nothing extra being uh, sought here. There's simply a different opportunity to come up with houses that could look like this. This is a house. I'm going to show you a number of houses here that the reason these particular houses are of interest to us is because the entrance is on the side. By putting the entrance on the side, we can make both the front and the back look good. So these units could look good from the parking lot and they can look good from the street. And quite frankly, we think these look a whole lot better than the townhouses do. For the same size units, um, serving the same basic market demographic. So these are just, you don't need to pay much attention to any of these in particular because I'm not saying any of these are the ones that we would build. But if we have cottage homes as opposed to townhouses, the opportunity to make them architecturally interesting is far greater than townhouses. These are some uh, cottage houses across the country are one of the hottest housing types anywhere. There are full communities of nothing but cottage homes. Uh, almost all uh, new master plan communities have some section of cottage homes in them. These are ones, um, I don't remember where they were built, but this is uh, a bunch of, of these that were um, built as cottage homes. Cottage homes can be large homes. They can be 16, 1,800 square feet. They can be 1,000 square feet. The idea is put a house on a tiny little lot for those people who don't want a yard to maintain but don't want to be attached to their neighbor. They want enough space for the dog to go out in the morning, and that's all they want. They want somebody able to cut the grass in two minutes and not have a lot of outside maintenance. Uh, these are another set, section of cottage homes. Um, and you can see that this, uh, at the bottom of this particular screen, these are clearly units that could easily have been townhouses, but the roofs are turned, and they're far more architecturally interesting. These are the captain's houses. Most people who know Centerville know that these are uh, kind of an iconic, odd little thing that was built in Centerville, um, and they look cool. They're interesting-looking houses. Um, they're no bigger than townhouses. But if you look at this screen, compared to Photoshop screen where we shove them together, they look like uh, nice-looking, but now they look like an apartment building versus looking like something far more interesting. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's why we have young people. <laughs> so if you think that uh, the idea of cottage homes is something that would be desirable, not just for my property, but as a housing type to be available in Queen Anne's County, then you would have to, um, you would have to decide that that's consistent with the comp plan, if you decide that these should be allowed in Graysonville, that they're consistent with the Graysonville plan and with the zoning ordinance. And, and we think they are on all, on all fronts. 
uh, in the comp plan, the overreaching goals, um, community design, housing diversity, um, compact uh, community design, a range of housing opportunity and choice, distinct attractive housing, and preserve open space. All of those things scream cottage homes to me. Um, obviously, it's more sustainable if we can... Uh, these, these are small, single-family homes. We could just simply do single-family homes on this property or any other property, but the minimum lot size for a single-family home in this zone is 8,000 square feet. So you can't, you can't make something to meet that demographic. Um, the fact is that the society has changed. When I started the real estate business, which was a long, long time ago, Everybody wanted to move over to the eastern shore and have a couple acres in the middle of a farm where they didn't see anybody else. And now people are afraid to be out by themselves and they want the smallest lot they can have, yet still have a yard. There's a definite segment of the the, uh, society that wants that. Um, Obviously, if we can build houses that people want to live in because they're affordable, because they're low maintenance, because they meet their needs um, for their families, then we accomplish what growth areas are supposed to do, which is to attract growth there so that the rural areas of the county are preserved. Um, Obviously, compact, mixed-use, walkable design consistent with community character. Again, we can build townhouses. We don't need any special permission to do that. It's a minor site plan. It's easy approval. We can do that. But the fact is that cottage homes look a lot more like Graysonville than townhouses do. Not that there aren't townhouses or duplexes in Graysonville, but the predominant housing style in Graysonville is a small, single-family home with some architectural interest. Um, Clearly, with housing uh, housing diversity, we want to meet the needs of the entire market. Obviously, as a business person, we want to make sure that whatever we're going to do is going to meet the needs for somebody who's going to want to buy or rent that product from us. But the reality is, as a society, as a county, we want to meet the housing needs of everybody. It'd be great from a tax perspective if everybody in the county lived in a $2 million waterfront home, but everybody can't afford that. Everybody can afford what they can afford, and they have the needs that they have. And the more types of housing and the more types of lots that we put that housing on, the more people's housing needs we can satisfy. The, the workforce housing element of the, of the comp plan Sustainable neighborhoods, economically diverse, and again, diverse housing is one of the things that is the main goals that our comp plan seeks. Under the Graysonville Community Plan, uh, the plan talks about the strong uh, opportunity for infill development, uh, and it also talks about their desire to maintain the village character. Again, townhouses on Main Street are perfectly allowed, as are apartment buildings, uh, multiplexes. We could put five units in, in one building on this property. But to maintain a village scale, having an opportunity to do the houses that we showed you, I think makes a lot more sense than doing the townhouses from a market perspective. Uh, There's clearly a mix of uh, commercial and residential uses throughout Graysonville. Um, All types of residential uses should be permitted is what the Graysonville plan says. Uh, The fact is that when the last comp plan and the Graysonville plan were done, cottage homes were really not something that anyone ever thought of. The closest thing we have to cottage homes in Queen Anne's County uh, is a little project that we did just north of the um, senior center in Stevensville called Coles Crossing. We have eight units in there. It's a condo ground 
with single, small single-family houses on tiny little postage stamp lots. And they were both affordable and extremely popular. Um, there, there's a clear demand for that. Um, the Graysonville plan also talks about there should not be any minimum site size. That makes sense in Graysonville because there aren't any big parcels. As, well, there's, there's one or two large parcels. But most of Graysonville, if you want to any kind of redevelopment to take place, it has to be allowed on small parcels of ground. Um, and then the GVC design guidelines, we should be oriented towards Main Street. All the setbacks are supposed to be reduced from what the zoning code calls for to make it more of a village scale. Parking to the rear and behind. Um, buildings in scale with the neighborhood and blend with historical Eastern Shore architectural forms. If, if I were to go write something to say why should um, cottage homes be allowed somewhere, this is what I would have written. Uh, minor and multifamily and minor single family are permitted uses in the um, GVC zone. There's a, a question I suspect for the comp plan is whether that should be five or seven. Um, as a minor, uh, and I only say that because in 2012 the Planning Commission uh, proposed that minor subdivisions be increased from five to seven as part of the Sustainable Growth Act. The County Commissioners held a hearing, passed that. I believe that the ordinance that they passed uh, did in fact change the definition of minor subdivision and minor um, multifamily, both, and that the fact that our zoning ordinance still calls says five is a is a minor and set and anything above that is major is an oversight. I think that's a mistake. Uh, Can I ask a question on that? Yes. So you have the the minutes where the county commissioners voted on it and made it seven. That's correct. It was an ordinance that was passed by the county commissioners. Uh, in so if that was an ordinance, why wouldn't the have been changed in the records? It was, with the exception of, of this section in the GVC district. It, it, I agree with Barry. It's probably an oversight. It needs to be cleaned up. So we can just get that fixed? Amy? Well, the, the um, amendment that was approved in 2012 was specific to subdivision categorization. So it moved the subdivision from the minimum of a minor being five lots to seven. And so this is minor multifamily. So, yeah, it might be an oversight, but it would be another amendment to... Multifamilies, you see, minor multifamily would not include a subdivision because that's apartments. Well, I guess it could be a subdivision, townhouses, condos, and single-family... It, it needs to be corrected. You want it to be consistent, but they are separate. They are techniques. separate uses. Techniques. Yeah. So how do we how do we get it done? Get the job done. Amendment. Text amendment, or we make it part of the comp plan update, which is currently going to be incorporated with the great the GVC Stevensville and Chester plans to be incorporated. Okay. There are other minor. Um, corrections that the overhaul to the land use ordinance will correct, and this would be one of them. Great. We try to keep a list of things that we find. But. I do love to clean things up. <laughs> um, we already talked about the fact that uh, in in the um, 
zoning code, in, in this particular section, GVC, you guys can establish modified building restriction lines for anything in the GVC. Uh, multifamily density is currently 10 to the acre. Single family is 3.2. If you think cottage homes are something that should be an alternative to townhouses, you have to make them a multifamily project uh, or else they're just single-family houses, and you won't get the density or the, uh, that. Uh, and, of course, cottage homes would only be viable if at multifamily densities. If we're only going to split this into two or three lots and build two or three houses, we're going to build bigger houses than we would if we were building cottage houses. Um, so um, if you do agree that um, cottage homes should be added to the single-family townhouse, duplex, apartment, manufactured home, and multiplex styles that already are permitted, um, I believe you should make sure that um, they have to either be subject to an HOA or um, a condominium regime so that to build most types of multifamily would be condominiums. So you have community maintenance of the yard. You would not want all of you to have a cottage home 10 feet away from the rest of you and Sharon never cut her grass. That would be a problem. So that's just a suggestion. Um, <coughs> the, the, the process is is pretty simple. If uh, if you guys think this is something you want to do, uh, all you need to do, in my opinion, this is me. You you have experts uh, on all around the room to tell you what to do. But uh, if you instruct staff to prepare a text amendment, um, they can do that. Yeah, I don't think the text amendment is, is a very big deal. You're simply going to add another paragraph to say cottage homes and put whatever standards they think are appropriate in a couple places in, in, the, in, in whatever zone you want to put these. So this is not something that I think is appropriate only in Graysonville. I think this is a type of housing unit that ought to be allowed everywhere. Obviously, my concern is the GVC zone where we have something that we would like to do this on. Um, Staff's going to make uh, bring you a recommendation for those changes. You guys are going to either recommend or not recommend that. County commissioners hold a hearing, and it gets done. Um, that could be done pretty expeditiously uh, in a in a couple months' time. If you guys don't want to do that and want to do it as part of the comp plan, that's fine. I still would encourage you to do so, but we're not going to wait on this project. We're going to go ahead and do something on this project. So if you guys are going to allow this, we're going to wait a reasonable period of time because we think it's a better process, but I don't think we're going to wait a year, a year and a half to get through the whole comp plan process before we would start moving forward on this. So I, I would encourage you to uh, to think about these as a housing type that should be allowed in Queen Anne's County, and uh, I would ask you to do this as a text amendment um, expeditiously as opposed to, so we can do it on this property. And that is it. And unless you guys have some questions for us. You had mentioned that it was affordable housing. Um, what, you, and you said that you just did one. What what constitutes affordable housing approximately? How much uh, do houses, these guys go for? The houses in Cole, Coles Crossing that were sold a couple years ago were in the 250 to 270 range for a 1,200-square-foot house with a one-car garage. Um had we not done those as condominiums, uh, we would have been limited to a couple houses on the same spot, and we would have built a bigger house and targeted the, the 350 to 400 range like most new housing is sold for. Um, the reality is that if we build townhouses, we have to have a firewall between them. We don't have to have as much siding on the, where the marriage wall is. 
but it's not going to cost us that much more money to build a cottage home than it is a townhouse. Um, the, the foundations. What would, what would townhouses go for versus the cottages? I, I don't have an answer for you on that, but I would think that they You've would... been in, in the industry for a very long time, Barry. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I think the townhouses in Graysonville could be between... 200 and, and 225 range, and that the, the cottage homes would probably be a little more valuable than that, but, but 225, 250-ish is where I would think that if, we, and, and I'm not saying, we're, we're not sure whether we would want to sell these or use them as rental pro- properties, but we think it's a better product. Uh, Mr. Waterman, thank you, both of the Mr. Watermans. Um, Question regarding infrastructure: How do how does one service a multifamily versus a combined building with respect to sewer? It's it's the same. Um, we have to come in with one the, trunk and then you split off. And that's then, correct. Every every house would would have its own um, connection to the main drain going out. This this particular property is on both public water and public sewer, right. um, so there's no problem with the sprinklering is the same. Um, the par- well, you saw the, the, the two uh, site plans. The parking lot's the same. Right. The sewer, only difference in the sewer is the stubs coming into the units are going to be 10 feet further apart right. if we go cottage home. But the infrastructure They're metered is the differently same. if they're combined in one building anyway, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Barry, a question on clarification. Is, is the land itself uh, owned as a condominium-type structure? Is a, you, know, you mentioned HOA before. So is, are these units built on commonly owned property, or are they have their own lots? Um, that would depend on what you guys and staff decide is the most appropriate. The easiest way is to make a condominium regime and put the houses on own land. The only hitch um, with condos versus allowing small lots um, is that if you have a condo regime in Maryland, you're required to have a master insurance policy for all the units. So everybody would have to pay their share of one master policy, and that could, for small projects like this, that can create some complication because what if somebody isn't paying their bills? Well, in an administration, I was concerned as I was reading through it, the administration piece and managing the condo association would be a pain in the neck. Yeah, it would be much simpler if it was an HOA, but you'd have to allow... Um, very small lots. Right now, you can do townhouses as a subdivision technique in multifamily, but the requirement in the GVC zone is for a 2,400-square-foot minimum lot size. So a townhouse, 18, 20 feet wide, you got to be 125 feet deep to come up with 2,400 square feet, and then you also have to have your parking behind it. It just the, the minimum lot size doesn't work. It doesn't work for townhouses. That's why there aren't any being built, and it doesn't work for uh, for cottage homes. So either not have a minimum lot size and they could be done individually and be subject to an HOA or just say they got to be in a condo regime. Thank you. Mr. Waterman, there's a duplex that was recently built right there in on the on Main Street. Have you seen that duplex? Uh, did you guys build front, that? Or, with the me? brick front out of the 7-Eleven? No, it's white. No, it's, it, white. it's all white. It's a little bit further down, just past Hunter's. Yes. Oh, is that? See, there's a yellow one. Uh, maybe it's yellow. That's Al Miller's. Okay. 
that was similar to one of the designs you shared. Has the white picket today. fence? I think that's Al Miller's. Yeah. You you can make them look pretty good. You just can't make them look as good as a cottage home. And if it's going to cost close to the same amount of money to build one or the other, why not go with a better product? That's that's our our position at least. So uh, would these would you intend for these to be affordable, similar to the one you did in Stevensville? Our, our, our intent, well, I mean, we're in business, so we're going to look for what the market will bear. But if you have a relatively modest house on a small lot, it's just by a fact of nature going to be less uh, expensive than a larger house on a larger lot. So I, I believe that we would be bringing them in and be very affordable. Any questions of the for Mr. Waterman? I guess he's not an applicant. He's here making a presentation for discussion. Thank you for your time. So um, I guess we can open it up here to the commission um, to discuss as, you know, we can introduce text amendment, um, we can defer it to the comp plan, um, or we don't have to do anything at all, ultimately. So I don't think this necessarily requires public comment. Is there any public comment? We'll entertain it. George, no public comment? Public comment, I'm sorry. So, what are your thoughts? I, I like the idea of it better than townhouses, and I think it's a great way for young people to start um, to start owning a home. And we certainly do need lower-priced housing in our county. We all agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And a couple of comments I made on our comp plan um, uh, um, comments we were asked to homework. make. Our homework was was that affordable housing, but also having lived here for 25 years is sometimes the lack of cohesiveness of the look of the county commercially and residentially, and I know that you can't get that cohesiveness everywhere in the county, but certainly in, in downtown Graysonville or... I mean, I love those little homes in Stevensville off of Route 8. I noticed them. So I like the idea also. It kind of brings a little more cohesiveness. And I think a home ownership, even if you just have that 10 feet of grass for your dog or a stroller, is uh, I think goes a long way. Aren't there front and rear setbacks that would allow for grass with a townhouse type versus the cottage, Amy? Yes. And what are those front and rear setbacks in that zone? Do you know? Off the top yes. of your head, I for a multiplex. Um, if you look multiplex, at page, understand it is a fancy word for apartments, basically. Yes. If you look at page two of three of your staff report, um, those uh, housing styles are listed there under the planned residential development standards, 
um, as are the minimum uh, landscaped area, minimum front yard of 25 feet, side yard 25 feet, minimum rear of 15, maximum building height of 45, and you have off-street parking and uh, spaces noted there as well, and uh, minimum spacing between buildings you also have noted of 30 feet. And this would be for a condo regime type? Yes, this would apply to um, the various multiplex structures, which include, let's see, these are multifamily units in a condo regime. And then if you go to the definition, which I've given you, let's see, where did I put that? On page three, for multifamily. There it is. For multifamily, you'll see what is included, and that is a duplex, townhouse, apartment, or multiplex, which is kind of s cyclical. Takes you back to these same styles. This this, this multiplex thing, I, I think it should have gotten out years ago. It was a Len Kendig um, term from 1987. I've never understood it. We should get rid of it. It, yeah, and it refers to configurations that require that the um, that there be part, uh, party walls, whether they're back to back, side to side, or vertical. <coughs> you have to put those two pieces of the pie together. The well, I'm a little confused over the conditional uses um, on page three of the. Of the Graysonville District Amendment. On page three, you have major multifamily development and major single-family cluster subdivisions. Well, if you can do a major um, development of these cottages, why can't you do a little development of these cottages? Why do you say it doesn't meet with the Graysonville? Well, because currently multifamily means by definition that you have a duplex, a townhouse, that they're connected. Uh, so a mall, But you can also do the individual houses. You can do... Miners. Mi yeah, minor. But, but the lot sizes are too small, right? Is it an NC8? Or I'm not sure what the zone was. I know, but it, 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 it still is... <coughs> It, to me, it just seems like it would be a natural that you could do that little division, that little subdivision in that six-tenths of an acre. It's that the, the, the cottage style is not clearly defined and allowing what you would essentially be allowing are single-family dwellings on one parcel. So the way the code is outlined with your choices for the multifamily and single-family, that type of condo regime doesn't cover single-family dwellings, which is what these cottages would, for all intents and purposes, be, unless we define them within the current multiplex language and multifamily language. For clarification... On page two of the uh, Graysonville piece, double A says minor single family cluster subdivision. You know, is what you know versus what you know been presented by the Watermans. 
that doesn't meet the cost, the definition because we don't call it a uh, cottage. Right, no. because no, they're with the cluster subdivision is a very specific technique. And it I has a minimum I'm, lot size. And there's a minimum lot size. There's required open space. What has been proposed? No one's saying it's a bad idea. It's just not covered by the zoning code. Think so. so, what Mr. Waterman has asked this this board to do, because um, the planning director, Mr. Wisnowski, who's no longer with us, in conjunction with Mr. Drummond, have made a determination that the proposal from Mr. Waterman isn't currently covered in our zoning regulations. Therefore, by eighteen one thirty three. It allows the planning commission to make a determination as to whether that may be an allowable use. Then we have to or carry should be. or should, or should be. be, and therefore we can take action. So text amendments can only be performed um, by the county commissioners at any time, the planning commission at any time, or by uh, a resident. But the resident can only do that in the month of February. So they can only bring forth text amendments in February. So Mr. Waterman, in conjunction based off the ruling from the former planning director, has come to us as an appeal to say, will you take action upon this? And and we have choices. We can take the amendment or ask staff to perform, prepare a text amendment. Um, we can do nothing with it. Or we can say we prefer to wait until the comp plan uh, update is completed and we will, because that's going to be incorporated, the Graysonville uh, GVC, Graysonville Village uh, plan is going to be incorporated into the, or eliminated and just listed as part of the regular comp plan. If this housing style is desirable uh, by the board, then the housing study that is currently being conducted uh, by our Housing and Community Development Department might incorporate uh, this idea and look at where it might be applicable um, and appropriate in various zoning districts so that we're not just looking at one zoning district. Sure. So at this point before us is to, we have an option of uh, directing staff to create that text Correct. That's correct. But can we do it that it just doesn't apply to Graysonville, that it applies to the other areas that are. No? Yes. Oh. Yeah. There's only a couple spots where this kind of thing might make sense. Graysonville is one. Exactly. Downtown Stevensville may be another one, but beyond that. Not really. Maybe Queenstown. Well, Queenstown is not Queenstown is incorporated. Oh. Okay, right. I forgot. Uh, I'd like to make a, a proposal or propose that staff put together a text amendment for us to discuss and vote on next month. Second. We have a motion and a second. Is there a discussion? Mr. Chairman, if I may ask Mr. Waterman, did the timing of this, you had said you'd rather this not wait for the comprehensive plan, right? That's within a year. Is this, you're, you'd just like to move on with your business aspirations in this situation, or what, what, are the, what are your concerns about this going to the broader discussion of a comprehensive plan update? Uh, I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm just 
telling you that I don't think that it would make good business sense for me to wait that long. I think it's a better product, but it's not such a better product that I wouldn't go ahead and build the townhouses that we could do. I mean, we got we haven't started any kind of approval process. We haven't made an application. So, I mean, we got a, a long haul to go through, but that's from whenever we start. So we would like to start. We'd like to start now. If we could start in a couple months, we'd certainly sit on it and wait for that. If for But the comp plan, I mean, you guys could form some miracle and whip through the comp plan in five or six months, or you could be like every other comp plan and be two years before you're done. So um, I, I, we're just not willing to say that we would wait that long. Okay. Let me ask them, how are, the, how are these significantly different from those houses down by the um, park on Graysonville Cemetery Road? No, on Perry's Corner Road that you built. Those were. Uh, <laughs> or I'm talking about Paris Corner Road on the left, just before you get to the the, the Wreck and Parks. Uh, I've forgotten the name of that one. Um, it's, it's Graysonville Park. We we had a um, acre and a quarter, or acre and a half lot, okay. and we divided into four lots and built houses very much like yeah. these houses. They yeah. they would be the same size. Those were 1,200 square foot, two story houses. What I'm talking about. Uh, but they each had uh, an 8,000 square foot lot. So you could have on that parcel, if if we rolled back time, you might have done ten houses on that same piece of ground um, instead of four. In this case, there's no difference between what we can get townhouses and what we can get single family. But in that in that situation, there would have been because of the eight thousand square foot lot requirement, the NC eight zone district. Yeah. And other requirements in the zone for, for single-family <coughs> subdivision. Plus, the, the density for single-family cluster subdivision is 3.2 to the acre, where multifamily is 10. Oh, right. Okay. Perfect. So, importantly, think about that. I mean, it's, it's somewhat cautionary. Think about that lot that is next to Graysonville Park, which could have 10 of these rather than four. Is there a size limit? Is there a size of lot limitation so we're not cramming a bunch of cottages onto, you know, five on this lot? I mean, you always have to think about the broad... You can't be site-specific when you're drafting zoning text amendments. Seems like a good idea for this piece of property. Are there other potential applications of this which would not be so um, or would not seem to be so um, beneficial? If I could, I thought about that. Um, (laughs) Why am I not surprised? (laughs) (laughs) I believe that what you should do is require any proposal for cottage homes, quite frankly, for any multifamily to come before the planning commission and leave yourself the flexibility to decide uh, whether that density is adequate or not. That would allow you to say that's too many in that location because uh, this I think this is going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread I don't know what the next guy's going to do so I, I think that you could easily include that in a text amendment that requires them to come to the planning commission so you have the opportunity to say um, is it a good idea in that location at that density are the um, is it in fact architecturally interesting enough for 
to be able to get basically you're, you're going to be allowing someone to build single family housing at a higher density in return for having it look better than townhouses. That's the trade-off you're making. That's true. But on the other hand, as matters stand now, if you'd built 10 townhouses on the property next to the park, that would be a major, so you'd have to go to the Board of Appeals. Am I right about that? That is correct. So there's always the Board of Appeals backstop when we think about it. Well, you see, there's, it's, it's, every time you change something in the code, you've got to think about how it will affect other pieces of property and other parts of the code because this is all like an octopus. There's tentacles everywhere. Unintended consequences downstream. Potentially. But if we get the text, you know, from staff, then we can modify it, you know, to include council's observations as well as, you know, what uh, Mr. Waterman just mentioned as far as restricting it to come back before us. But we have to have a starting point. Right. Yeah. Right. Staff, staff will draft it, and they'll look at all the potential implications and possible zones it could affect and present all that to us for us to evaluate. It's important to remember that the density of 10 for multifamily, uh, that was, Barry could probably remember better than I, that came in 2004 maybe. And and that was to encourage multifamily projects. Even that was said not be sufficient. So you can get up to 20 per acre in various circumstances. Do we, you know, you need to think: is it? Are we? Do we want to encourage what are essentially single-family homes at that density? I mean, there's a lot to think about. Maybe cottage homes has to have a specific definition. Maybe that's it has to be limited to some specific style, size. You know, like uh, uh, commercial apartments have to have a balcony and have to have a certain size and so on. Fifty square feet of yeah balcony, all that. Is thirty days going to be enough? No, <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> Um, but so I've heard a, a motion and a second uh, from the commission to move forward with the text amendment. Um, is there any objections to that? Or so? I guess if there's no objections. Um, we'll ask that you move forward with that. But we know that you can't do it in 30 days. That's a heavy lift amongst everything else happening. Are we ask it for in 60 days, or what, what's reasonable in that what's way? What's reasonable, Amy? We will put something together as expeditiously as we can. <laughs> You'll update us each month until we I, get Oh, done. I will. And if, if we can proceed quickly, we certainly will. Um, but just to understand that we currently have no long-range planners on staff while I'm in the acting director's role. And while I'm happy to be a working acting director, um, there we have a lot of projects to shift that are currently currently on the docket. Uh, understanding that this is a priority, and I'll treat it as such. We may find that there are other jurisdictions that have dealt with this, and we can we don't have to invent the wheel. 
Thank you. Uh, next on the agenda, we'll move to legislation and legal matters. Look around to see if you can find. Okay, updates. Um, I guess I'd first of all like to start by um, I've introduced myself as the acting director, and I've mentioned it twice, but uh, that announcement was officially made last week, and I'm very grateful to the county for having the faith in me and grateful to staff for helping me through these next few months. Um, I expect that the county commissioners have received a healthy um, selection of applications and that the interview process will begin uh, within this month and decisions will be made uh, probably in October or the end of this month. So you'll be seeing me uh, filling this role for probably at least two months, this, this meeting and likely the next meeting. Um, I would also, on behalf of the staff, I would also like to thank Mr. Wisnowski for um, all of his great guidance and leadership. Uh, Brennan and I worked under him for just over a year, and Rob and everyone else on staff for his full tenure of over five years, and uh, we're very grateful to all of his support. So with that said, I'll move into our legislative updates and uh, something that uh, Mr. Wisnowski did hand off to me on his way out the door was the um, Bluegrass Solar had submitted a letter of notification per our ordinance requirement that they have sold the project, One Energy Holdings, uh, who had owned Bluegrass Solar, has sold that uh, solar project to Heelstone Development, LLC. So we now have that new development, uh, the LLC contact information uh, per that requirement. Uh, just to let you know, because you've <coughs> heard about this or seen it at a county commissioner meeting on the 25th of um, August, there's been a petition filed by the Gibson's Grant Homeowner Association to terminate their uh, public easement for their... Um, community pier and waterfront area around that pier. Um, speaking of being backlogged with projects, you'll probably won't see that in October, but you'll likely see that uh, petition for your review in November because that's going to take a bit of research pulling that all together um, in terms of that original approval of the subdivision and all of the affiliated public areas. Part of it's condition of growth allocation approval, among other things. Correct. So we need to put all of that together for, you, for your information, as well as uh, you have a, you'll have a full packet from the applicant. So your text amendments, uh, where they are in the process. Uh, Ordinance 20-03, impact fees, has been adopted uh, with an amendment to change the... Um, Processing fee, the 3% processing fee, to be applicable to the remaining 50% of the assessed fee after the required 50% is paid at time of application. So instead of attaching the 3% processing fee to the full bill, it's applied to the remainder of the bill after it's paid up front. Um, the... Uh, ordinance 20-04, which is our resource conservation area accessory dwelling unit, has been officially introduced following critical area commission approval 
uh, by the commissioners, and there will be a hearing on that bill on the 22nd of September at 6 o'clock. Also on that same agenda uh, before the county commissioners is Ordinance 20-11, which is the general update to our building codes. The international building codes all have to be updated cyclically. A part of this update will stop that from being a necessary requirement. Uh, we've included language that acknowledges that when these various codes are updated, our ordinance will be updated accordingly without <coughs> needing a vote every time that that happens. Uh, that hearing is also on the 22nd of September at 6.05. Uh, that's assuming that there aren't any comments on the resource conservation uh, amendment. And uh, finally, the uh, alcohol alcoholic beverage um, production facility ordinance has been introduced by the commissioners, and that hearing will take place on the 13th of October at 6 p.m. If you have any questions about any of those pieces of legislation. Um, and just generally, uh, comp plan, thank you very much uh, for submitting your homework on time. Uh, and I forwarded all of your comments along to Lauren Good, who is our project manager, um, and I'm in conversation with her. She's working on uh, finding a means to start to schedule our visioning sessions uh, with the governor's new order. We're looking at um, what we could potentially do in terms of an in-person meeting versus a uh, virtual meetings. She's currently planning virtual meetings, um, but we're looking to see if there's any flexibility there. Probably not, um, but we're looking at it, and also hopefully the website will be up and running very soon, and as soon as it is, I'll send you an email notice so you can bookmark it on your computers and phones. Thank you very much. Are there any other miscellaneous staff items? Hearing none. Any public comment? Public comment. No public comment. No public comment. So entertain a motion for adjournment. So moved. Goodbye, adjourned.